Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? They're there. There, talk to them. Good. Can I? Yeah. I would love you to. Can I really? You know how I feel. Can I swear? I'm, I'm, absolutely. Ask your friends over here. All right. Fuck you. The New Jersey Kid, Joe Sheehan. That's the difference between you and I. For me, this is about passion, and for you, this is about fame. And nobody will ever remember you. The Rogue of Wrestling, Michael Newman. Yeah, that works in Hollywood, that works in the movies, but this isn't the movies, this is real life. And in real life, I am the real hero. You're listening to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. I am still your champion and part Uh, of the greatest circle jerk of history in the uh, Champions Club alongside Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega and Juice Robinson, the rogue of wrestling, Michael Newman, joined alongside, but outside of our fun club and party, the New Jersey kid, Joe Sheehan. I mean, it's just like Jersey. We're always just the outside person looking in, right? Exactly. You're the redheaded stepchild of history. Exactly. What did you think of Hell in a Cell? Boo. <laughs> For the whole thing or like just the main event? The main event kind of really bummed me out. Um, But I guess the other part was okay. <laughs> I Honestly, I feel like, especially the beginning of this show, was actually pretty good. Like there were a lot of parts of the show that were pretty good. The main event was sort of, I think, probably one of the weaker points. Yeah. Um, but like the first Hell in a Cell match, like uh, Randy Orton versus uh, Jeff Hardy, <laughs> yeah, I, that, was, that good. was pretty good. I dug yeah. that. Uh, the finishing spot was a little bit weird because I don't know why Jeff didn't just jump off the ladder instead of doing <laughs> you that. Want to do monkey bars? <laughs> yeah, I want to do monkey bars so that Jeff could de- or so that Randy could definitely see what I'm coming. Like, <laughs> it was kind of silly. Um. Yeah, I I actually kind of am not thinking about the opening matches because then we then had Becky Lynch defeat Charlotte. Yep, and that was fucking awesome. That was a great match. Like that was just a great overall match too, because like it was a fun like technical back and forth, and there was some brawling. You got the great boo, yeah. So then it was just even more apparent, even though it was apparent the whole fucking time that Becky Lynch yes. was the face and everybody's behind her. And then she gets a. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was like. Uh, Charlotte went for a spear, and I think she ended up reversing it into like a DDT, yes. and then rolled into a pin. Like mm-hmm. it was so quick. But it yeah. was definitely. I think that's what got it. It was so unexpected, right? Mm-hmm. That was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Like just a great unexpected end to the match. And then after my only complaint, the only thing I would have done differently, because I would give this match like an A minus, and I would give uh-huh. it an A plus if they had done this differently. If instead of Becky Lynch walking out afterwards, because, like, Charlotte tried to, you know, raise her hand or shake her hand mm-hmm. or something, and then Becky just, like, walked away, cause she was like, I'm not letting you steal my moment. Like, shouldn't you have had her just, like, kick Charlotte out of the ring to be like, I'm not letting you steal my moment and it's my ring? Maybe. I think they probably, the thought was probably they just had a whole physical match. Mm-hmm. So just let them, like, kind of walk away. And breathe a little bit. Well, I don't know, but like if they had if they had just had this fucking physical of a match, like shouldn't Charlotte be like, I don't know, even more out of it? Maybe. 
I don't know. That's that's my only small complaint. Other than mm. that, really great. Um, but yeah, I thought yeah, but, the opening Hell in a Cell match, the women's match is pretty good. The uh, tag team match with Rollins and Ambrose well, versus um, Amb- or not, geez, Ambrose and Rollins versus Dolph and McIntyre. Yeah, just back to Becky and Charlotte. I want to jump yeah. into the aftermath real quick on SmackDown. Mm. Um, loved the um segment with the two of them, where <laughs> Becky just explained she was like, "Nah, I didn't want you to raise my hand. I want you to uh, put the belt around my waist. No, mm. no, no. I don't want you to put the belt around my waist. I want you to call me Queen. I love that." Yep. Yep. Exactly. We get to the heart of the matters. I want you to call me the queen. Yes. Which makes sense for her character, right? She's been the uh, back burner of Charlotte this whole time. Now yeah. she is going to soak in the spotlight. Exactly. She's she's tired of playing second fiddle. And she's ready to take center stage and kick Charlotte off the mountain. And make and ba- I guess it's like she she's ready to beat Charlotte and make Charlotte admit that she's better now. Yes. So that's, it's like, it's uh, the Velveteen Dream and Aleister Black feud. <laughs> say my name. So, say my name, say my name. Yep, so Becky's got the title, but actually, you know what, I don't know. I, I guess that, that does make for a, a weirdly interesting heel character, even if it is unsatisfying to me because I want Becky to be the face, that she has this complex where she now needs Charlotte's validation. I don't think it's that. I think it's that. Or do you think she's just fucking with her? I think she's just fucking with her in terms of the sense that, like I said, she's now has the spotlight, so she's going to use it for all it's worth. Mm -hmm. And what I like about this feud is, I don't think there is a clear baby face and heel dynamic. Um, There is. WWE just doesn't understand it. But I don't, I, it's them, it's not a Roman Reigns situation, basically, right? It's not them trying to force one way down our throats and the fans rejecting it. It's the fans going, we don't give a shit what you're trying to do. We are following Becky's logic and we're staying behind her. You see what I mean? Uh, maybe. I just, I don't think it's, I don't think it's negatively impacting this feud, how they're, trying to portray okay. either one of them gotcha or do you do you think it's not as bad because it's it's better to like maybe it's better to have your heels getting cheered when they're not supposed to instead of having your baby faces booed when they're not supposed that's, to that's that's very possible but charlotte's getting booed but maybe not to the extent that roman was or is yeah i i think that's definitely true because i feel like charlotte's only getting booed from the situation it just, it's that, like, light boo, just like, a boo. Right, because I, I think immediately, <laughs> like, like, boo, I want you to die. Right, like, I think it's definitely at the level still that even, like, if Charlotte is facing anybody other than Becky, people would she just would treat fine. her, like, normally. Yeah. I think that's, I think it's just because she's going up against Becky. So I think Becky is so hot right now, and people are frustrated that WWE is trying to turn her into a heel that they would probably boo anybody against Becky right now. I don't think it's frustration boos, though, either. I think people are just like... Like, because Dodie's not... not holding her back, right? Like, they gave her the title. She's basically allowed to say whatever she wants because she's now dropped the bitch line again, which I think is great. I want that. I want her to be... Did you ever watch Breaking Bad? Yeah. I want her to be, like, the Jessie of the SmackDown <laughs> 
like just delivers the line and it's just like bitch bitch <laughs> yeah it's like i it is kind of fun i guess when wwe lets them do the, like the whole oh somebody gets to swear it's edgy um but i just this is my concern that it's like okay they're not completely handicapping becky because it's like they gave her the title yes however wwe is super notorious for dropping the ball on people and not understanding their characters and if they don't understand why people are cheering becky right now and they just decide to keep her in this like heel character that like i like every time that she acts right now you can tell that she's supposed to be a heel because it's wwe but I feel like the way that she's acting and the way that the crowd is responding to her, she's just like an anti-hero now. Like she's yes, just like she's just a badass. I was just trying to say I was that's what I was trying to say in a roundabout way because I couldn't think of like the words for it. Yes, that's so then, exactly what I was trying to say. So if WWE doesn't understand that, then her having the title isn't gonna fucking matter because the next feud that she has, or even this one, could just conclude with her just fucking losing, just out of nowhere because she's a heel in WWE and that. Yeah has all sorts of terrible connotations for your character. So that's why I'm like, it's, I'm just still yeah. on edge. And I think a lot of the fans also sense this, that it's like, look, WWE, we're trying to tell you, turn her into like, you know, female stone cold. We fucking love this bitch. Becky Balboa is awesome. And we can all tell that WWE's like, Hmm, do the fans like her or not? I don't know. And it's just, I think it's just endly frustrating. I, I haven't seen that, but we, we'll see. You're, you're right. I think it'll be the next feud that shows us which way they're thinking on it. Definitely. I mean, I mean, I think that's a long way off. I think this Becky-Charlotte feud is going to go on for a pretty long time. Yeah, probably. Because they, they're, they're not really building up any of the other women on SmackDown right now. Like they, No, it's them. And that's it. Yeah. So... The only other thing that I could think of as far as like if I think if they're really paying attention, one thing that if you if we get to see this, you could definitely tell they're paying attention. If at Evolution instead of doing uh, Ronda and Nikki Bella and then uh, <laughs> Becky and Charlotte again, because Becky and Charlotte, they're already going to be doing it again in Australia. Yes. So like we've already got that again now. But uh-huh. if instead you get like champion versus champion, because there's already going to be so many matches on this card and Evolution is supposed to be kind of like a dream card right yeah so why not have champion versus champion because you know that's is a really was ronda is ronda nikki official or is that just rumored i think that's still just the rumor and it feels like that's the story direction they're still headed in because uh, it feels like she's pretty much done with alexa for now um, yes but you know it, if because if you did that i think that would just be like a really great dream match and that would also like really boost up becky's credibility because like really right now as far as like on the main roster you could argue potentially it's still i think too early early to tell but like this match that she just had with charlotte is probably becky's like biggest moment as far as a match like on the main roster Mm -hmm. but if she had a match against ronda rousey at evolution in the main event holy shit like even if she lost because i think she would probably lose she would have to that would be the biggest match of her career and could be even more like career defining yes like because I think she would go down as one of the ones that got like a really great match out of uh, Ronda one on one. Definitely, and also as far as like storyline wise, like they both have the arm bars. <laughs> They've got both got the arm bars, and Ronda's still really 
like outside of Nia Jax, like, but that's just kind of like a size difference battle. She hasn't had somebody who's like really been a true test of her skill. And Becky no. Lynch could be that person that's like, holy shit, like I had to pull every trick in my bag to beat Becky Lynch. Like she pushed me to the limit. Mm-hmm. I mean, she tried to sell that with Alexa, but everyone was like, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Even even with this Hell to Cell match, like they gave it a little bit more time. They were trying to play up the the rib injury angle. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess that you know, it's like it's kind of I guess what you have to do with somebody like oh Alexa yeah, because right, you have to do an injury. And you couldn't do just Ronda just killing her again, right? Because the audience would be like, yeah, we already saw this. Yeah. Yeah, the only the, like the only way you could do that is if you like killed her worse or something. Mm-hmm. But, and they wouldn't want to risk that because I think Ronda would might look heelish that way, right? Yeah, exactly. Ronda like put her on a stretcher and be like, ooh, ee. <laughs> yeah, especially because like Becky Lynch, like or not Becky Lynch, uh, Alexa Bliss, like while she is a heel, like if you beat too much of the shit out of her, you yes. would get booed. Like because she is so small. <laughs> yeah, she's so little and she's cute, like. You know, at that point, it's like, all right, like, come on, you're going way too far. It's it's amazing her her character work because when you hear her in interviews when she's out of character, mm-hmm. she is what you would think she is. Like, she's just like all about Disney princesses and glitter and stuff like that. But then on the mic on Raw, you're like, oh, she's she's a bad bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah, in real life, she's she's her old uh, face character for NXT. Yes. Which I totally forgot about until she talked about it. What the? <laughs> yep. Well, man, that we've talked about it a couple times. That was one of the best ever uh, gimmick changes. Yes. To save a career. Hmm. Um. But back to the Hell in a Cell card. Uh, you started talking about the Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, Dean Ambrose. <laughs> and yep. For the Raw tag team titles. For the Raw tag team titles, yes, great match actually. I think. Yeah, these four work really well together. I mean, no I surprise. Think, They're all just, like, fucking workhorses. Yeah, and really made Drew look good, though, I would say. Yep, absolutely. He looked like a fucking beast in this match. And the mat, like the finish of it, too, was so precise. Like, getting Dolph Ziggler up for the um, suplex into the Falcon Arrow, mm-hmm. and then he fucking kicks him with the Claymore kick in the middle of that suplex. Yes. And then uh, Ziggler's body just, like, falls on top of him, right, for the pin? Yeah. They, you know they, they saw the Adam Cole-Ricochet um, match, and they were like, hmm. we'll do something similar. Hold on. Yep. Well, you know what? One of the things I like about it is that, like, even though it's not a strictly a tag team move, because it's not like Dolph Ziggler helped them set up for that, like, it still mm-hmm. has that feel of, like, the perfect coordination timing of, like, a tag team-type move finish. It was the tag team logic. It was similar to, like, in the Mixed Match Challenge this week, um, which, just a quick note on that, loved that they took out Alexa Bliss for this week because it sold her match with Ronda. Is she just out for the, um, the week, or is she out of I, the Mixed Match Challenge? I think it's just out for this week. Um, And so Ember Moon subbed in for her, and so you had Ember Moon, similar to Alexa Bliss, do one of her moves off of Braun's shoulders. And it's that tag team logic, and I think that was what you saw out of McIntyre. It was like, if I kick him in the face right now, <laughs> Dolph's up there, so when he falls down, we get a nice pinning combination. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. that kind of logic that I love. Yeah, it's multi-purpose, right? Because it's like I'm saving my teammate and I'm setting up the pin. 
Like, yes. it's all perfect. That'd be great if, like, it cut back to the locker room and, like, Drew was explaining the physics of it, like, on a whiteboard. <laughs> he just got, like, a... I kick parody. you with this force, and then your weight falls down. When I kick you with the claymore kick, <laughs> and then you fall down, it exerts 300 newtons of force. <laughs> It's exactly uh, enough to keep you down for three seconds. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, Debbie, uh, who else was on that card? Um, then we had AJ Styles defeat Samoa Joe in yep. a great finish. I forgot about this finish. And yeah, I'm that's, starting to like this card more and more. <laughs> this is really interesting, especially to see like how they continue to develop this. Like, I feel like this could definitely be the start of like a slow burn heel turn for AJ, right? Yes. And I think that's what they wanted to write in because you couldn't do the same thing again, right? You couldn't have Joe cause AJ to flip out and go like crazy on him um, because we've already had that. So Mm -hmm. how else do you like advance the story? And I thought this was a great choice. Yep. I liked it. And it's it's been a while since we've had a finish like this, I feel like. Yes. Where... The heel gets screwed over, mm-hmm. and so it feeds into their fire, and then can cause some doubt on the babyface. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then it's you know it's a good story, right? Because then AJ Styles like really is like, oh well, I have to step up and prove that I really can beat Joe because, you know, hey, I did technically tap, like even though the ref didn't see it, so then, therefore I'm technically still the champion because the referee's call stands. Like, I in of myself have to prove to me that I'm the champion. Because, mm-hmm. like, in his own head, right, like, to some extent, him holding the title, like, he wouldn't believe that he's really the champion. Yeah. Man, would that be, really, like, almost a really interesting angle for, like, a really uber baby face to, like, surrender the title to somebody else because, like, technically they beat him? Like, even though, like, the ref didn't see it, he's like, well, technically you did win, so you actually are the champion. But, like, then immediately say that, like, but, like, now I'm going to instate my, like, rematch clause and, like, challenge you for the title again. <laughs> like, right now. Like, right now, like, tonight. Or, you know, whatever the next possibility is. I could I could see somebody, like, a Flip Gordon or something doing that. It's like, oh, man, I'm such a white meat little baby face. <laughs> like, I just... I'm just trying to... Um... I was just silent for a little bit because I was trying to think of if that has ever happened. Actually, you know what? You know what would be a better way to do it? Because that would be sort of like an anticlimactic way to end somebody's title reign. But like a way to delay a baby face from truly winning a title would be like, you know, if they're in the match and then the ref accidentally sees something that would have given the baby face the win instead of seeing the reality where the baby face would have lost and then them not accepting the title because they know the truth that it's like, I didn't actually win the title. Like, I'm not worthy we're not worthy we're I'm... not worthy maybe you could only do that in like new japan or something like where there's didn't so much ba- respect uh, to the title. didn't bailey do something like that where she like didn't want to win a certain way or something like that maybe i could totally see that but yeah bailey bailey could be somebody you do that with yeah like oh like yeah bailey and sasha oh you know actually that'd be interesting this could be a way you could have even turned sasha heel okay like Imagine a scenario where Sasha's the champion, uh-huh. and Bailey and Sasha are friends at this point, and, but they eventually get a match together. Things have been brewing. The tension is there. Bailey ends up getting some sort of, like, roll-up on Sasha, and Sasha actually, like, 
had her shoulder up or either that or maybe like Bailey tapped out before the three count. So mm-hmm. the ref sees the three count, starts to give the title to Bailey, and then Bailey's like, No, like I tapped, like Sasha's still the champion. But then Sasha's like fucking pissed because it's like you maybe lose the title or whatever. Like you could do a whole thing out of that. Hmm. Like that's that that's the kind of baby face that I feel like could do that. Yeah. But you'd have to do it in a situation where like they're against maybe like a fellow baby face. Yeah. Cause against another heel, it's just be like, well, that sucks. Rules are rules. The ref <laughs> didn't see it. <laughs> well, see you later. Yep. Now get your title, bitch. Uh, let's see. What else did we have on this card? Because I feel like at this point it was mostly just the rest of whatever was, whatever was there. Um. Well, real quick on the pre-show, because we forgot to go over that. We had mm-hmm. the New Day defeat Rusev Day. Um, yep. And then we had the follow-up on SmackDown of the breakup of Rusev Day. Yeah. Which, I, yeah. Did you know that this was coming? Because when did you text me about your... Aiden plans. So yeah, my my theory was a little bit more involved with this, and maybe maybe this will come in the next few weeks. But I texted you earlier in the day on Tuesday, so it was before okay. SmackDown that day. Yeah. Uh, that because they were advertising a United States title match with uh, Rusev Day and or not Rusev Day, Rusev versus Nakamura. Yes. And so mm-hmm. I texted you. I was like, all right, I'm calling it right now. Aiden's turning on him tonight. But I had said that he was not going to just turn on him, but he was the he, he was then going to join with Nakamura, which that part did not happen. But mm-hmm. I think that would be great, and I think it still could happen. Like maybe that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. Like if Aiden is, uh, especially if he's like trying to challenge Rusev, and then Rusev just kicks his ass, that Aiden's like, well, I need somebody stronger who can fight on my behalf to get revenge on Rusev. Mm-hmm. Then maybe he could hook up with Nakamura. And create the English Empire. Yes, create the English Empire. So yeah, the idea would be that you know he would be the manager for Nakamura, like speak English for him, haha, as in English. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like I think also it, it could almost work from um another perspective too, because like Nakamura has been portrayed as like the artist, quote unquote, right? And Shins, uh, not Shinsuke Nakamura, yeah, Shinsuke Nakamura and in English, like he's also been described as like the artiste. So mm-hmm. like they could be the artists or something like maybe the artists of pain instead of the authors of pain. <laughs> Who fucking knows? Ooh, you could have you could have Aiden English come out in like some weird pseudo like Japanese garb, like some really bad gi or uh, like a kimono or something, and like read a haiku about how like Nakamura is gonna come out and kick somebody's ass, <laughs> and then Nakamura comes out, beats somebody up, and then. Yeah, Aiden English can just create like a, a legion of foreign heels because he speaks every foreign language. So he can translate for everybody into English. I would definitely throw Cesaro into that group too. Have yeah, every single foreign heel just stop speaking English? Like even the ones that know English and can speak it well, like Cesaro. Like, he's just I like, was going to say, or even Seamus, like someone that like clearly he doesn't speak any other language. Like. <laughs> Oh, he probably knows Gaelic. He can probably start speaking that. Might. Or you could just have him speak with, like, it's like, all right, you know what, Seamus, you don't need to worry about trying to hide your accent or, like, dampening it down yeah. anymore. You can just turn it up <laughs> all the way to 11. And then nobody will understand you, and then we'll just have Aiden English speak for you. Oh, we need a Scottish wrestler, then. They do. 
Drew McIntyre. Ah, yes. There you go. You just got Drew McIntyre. You've got uh, no Sheamus, Cesaro, Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh, bring Bruce back into the fold. Who's the Scottish wrestler on uh, Impact, or he was on Impact at one point? Grado. Have you ever seen heard uh, heard him? I haven't heard him speak. Oh, he has this really thick Scottish accent where you can't tell what the fuck he's saying. Because <laughs> Drew, at least, like, apparently Drew went, when he was originally at WWE, went to classes to, like, speak better English. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said that, like, he he is now has a very Americanized British, uh, Scottish accent. Whereas Grado, no English whatsoever, pretty much. So. Yeah, say Mac- McIntyre is actually pretty understandable. He's pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, he could just turn it off if he wanted to and let Aiden English speak for him. Um, to get back to Hell in Cell, mm-hmm. I wanted to turn off the TV during the Miz and Maurice and Dan O'Brien and Brie Bell match. Yeah, that sucked. Miz and Maurice getting the win and then a good follow-up, though, with the women basically leaving the feud on SmackDown. Yeah, um... But yeah, this this whole match sucked. Uh, yeah, Maurice and Brie Bella both suck. Yes, there's really no and, way about it. Uh, we already discussed Ronda defeating Alexa. So then our final match was Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman in a Hell in a Cell match, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Did you know, Newman, mm. that Hell in a Cell match can end in a no contest? Uh, apparently, because yeah, actually the the first Hell in a Cell match they were threatening to end it in a no contest. Until Randy made the ref count the pin. Uh, yes. And in this one, they actually did just end it in no contest. Yes. Which, but for someone else entering the cage and interfering, correct? Maybe that was that the reason? I guess that was the reason. Kind of literally the same thing happened in the first ever Hell in a Cell match. Kane debuted, beat up The Undertaker, and Shawn Michaels got the win. Right, because it's like, all right, if if the rationale was that somebody else interfered, that's fucking stupid. Because yeah, it's that there's no disqualification in Hell in a Cell. Yeah. Um, if the rationale was that nobody was able to continue, what the fuck were those guys doing for like ten minutes when you know Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins yes. and Drew McIntyre and Dean Ambrose were there? Like, shouldn't the match have ended during that whole thing? Yeah. If it was a no contest. Yeah, can we talk about that? For 10 minutes, they cut away from the two guys whose match it was to show Dolph, Drew, and Ambrose and Rollins. Like, what Ten the minutes. fuck was the last spot that happened before that? I um, did they go, I think they just went through, like, a Superman, table. It was this Superman punch into the table or something like that? Spear through, spear through a table. Yeah, I think it was just spear through a table. Yes. So, Roman Reigns doing the spear apparently got knocked the fuck out. Huh. And, and like, apparently Braun Strowman got knocked out from this. Yes. Like, that badly. That's insane. And I I just don't see the logic here of the no contest. Like... No, it's fucking stupid. Did did Brock... Did uh, did Mick Foley bumped, right? Uh, He took pepper spray in the eyes. Pepper spray. Or uh, quote-unquote pepper spray in the eyes. Yes. Which I, I, I was like, good, yeah, safe bump for, for Mick. Yep. Uh, but even then, refs have been taken out before in Hell in the Cells. You just bring out a new one. Yep. 
You know what? Actually, it would have been a good little reveal, too. If, like, so if Paul Heyman comes out, sprays him, and then Paul he- or, uh, Brock Lesnar hits the F5s, Paul Heyman just takes off his shirt and he's got a ref shirt underneath, and then fucking counts. Oh, my God. You know, like, put, like, Brock Lesnar just throws Roman Reigns' body on top of Braun Strowman's. Yeah. Like, whatever. He just picks one of them. Throws, yeah, actually, you throw Roman on top of Braun, because having Braun's first title win be through this would suck. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, yeah, have throw Roman on top of him, have Paul Heyman count it, and then it's over. Yeah. And then have him, like... And then have, like, yeah, have Lesnar go over to the bell ringer, like, threaten him and, like, ring the bell. Yeah, have Lesnar ring the bell himself, grab the title, yep. put it on Roman, but say, like, I'm coming for it, and then just walk away. Yep, yeah, exactly. And just every, grab the title and find him out, another right? time and throw the title on him. Yeah. Roman's laid out, Strowman's laid out, the other four are laid out, like, mm-hmm. everyone's just laid out, and just have Brock Lesnar standing over this all this destruction. That would have been, oh my god, dude. That would have been, been a lot better. Amazing. You know what, actually, you know, even, even better than hitting him with some more F5s, why didn't he hit them with the fucking door that he kicked <laughs> in? Like That was a that was a badass spot, I have to say. <laughs> him like, kicking the door off. He hit him with the, the fucking table that he broke a little bit, but, like, why yeah. didn't he hit him with the door? <laughs> That he could obviously kick off and like lift pretty high. Like, yeah, he put it. He brought it into the ring. Or yeah. Wait, no, or no, he didn't bring it into the ring. He used it but, to climb into the ring. Yes, but like he had it like almost held above the ring, almost at how high he was. So. Yeah, he should have just fucking beat him with the door. That would have been yeah. good. <laughs> I feel like it would have looked like maybe what they were afraid of was it would look too comical because it looked almost like one of those oversized weapons from like the video games where it like mm-hmm. the chair is bigger than the guy's head and you're just like, uh. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it overall, I feel like this was not a bad pay-per-view. They, there were a no, couple odd choices. Was, the but The ending like, just soured me. Yeah. Um, I'd give it like a B of some kind. Yeah, I'd give it like a maybe like a B minus. B minus, yeah. Yeah, I'd say a B minus. Because definitely, at least, especially as far as like the pacing, it kind of fell off towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like they've definitely put on a lot worse this year for sure. Oh, definitely. And there were definitely like like we said the the first couple matches on this card I thought were really good. Like yeah, Randy and Jeff was really good. Charlotte and Becky was really good. The tag match was really good. Um, yeah, so there was good stuff on this card. Yeah, but it just goes to show you how one bad match can ruin a card. Well, it's, it, I think it's just especially egregious how WWE constantly does stupid shit in their main events. They constantly overbook, and they constantly make it, like, these clusterfuck non-finish, but, like, these, like, schmozzy, like, unsatisfying non-finishes. Because, like, an Okada-Tanahashi, like, 60-minute draw or something... Is mm-hmm. like a lot more satisfying, like non-finish, than just like oh, like some bad guys came in and attacked everybody. Now it's all over. Yeah, like you know, it's just it's just like these constant letdowns with like these weird because like WWE, I feel like is always constantly under the mentality that like you can't sell the next show on how good this show was. You have to sell the show or the next show on like some sort of like unresolved angle. Yes. So they always have to throw some sort of stupid monkey wrench in right at the very end. So then it's like, whoa, swerve, even if the swerve doesn't make any sense and like makes the conclusion of what you were watching the whole time worse. <laughs> swerve, bro, swerve. 
Yeah. You know what? I think I've figured something out about WWE. WWE doesn't want fans, and they don't book like they want fans. WWE wants addicts. And they book for addicts. Because you're always just chasing that high. and They're never giving it to you, and they're just giving you like enough to string you along. Mm-hmm. But they're never going to give you what you want. Never going to give you up, never going to let you down? Huh. They're always going to let you down. That's part of the thing, right? Because if they think about it this way, I, maybe this is like too cynical to think of it this way, but like if if they gave you too good of a show, then your expectations would be too high. So then you'd be constantly disappointed. But they if, if they give you constantly like mediocre shit, then you're like satisfied with mediocre shit, and then you get excited anytime they give you anything more than that. <laughs> Ooh, just a little bit more. Woo! Yep. So that they can even more efficiently control you and make sure that you're constantly just coming back and coming back and get your money with less and less of effort on their part. Yes. Like condition you to accept mediocrity. We are Pavlov's dog. We we are <laughs> We are Pavlov's audience. We're the Pavlov universe. <laughs> oh man. <coughs> As they like to call us. I, you know what, I bet you behind closed doors, instead of calling us the WWE Universe, they still just call us the Marks. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid Smarks. Stupid Marks. We got them. We got their money. It's like the old uh, Hogan mentality, right? Like, hey, they're here. We got their money. Why the fuck would we work? Or is, I guess that's more <laughs> the Nash mentality. <laughs> they already paid for their tickets. Yeah, they already paid for their ticket. Why would I try? Mm-hmm. All right, so what highlights you got for this week of TV to follow up Hell in a Cell? Well, coming out of this, we got set up a uh, big old main event, which I guess this is you know, why they booked this the way that they did, and they had a non-finish for the main event of Hell in a Cell, is they wanted to do a triple threat at uh, Crown Jewel, which is the next event here in Saudi Arabia. Yes. We got a triple threat with Roman, Braun, and Brock. What are your thoughts? I thought it was interesting that Brock's going to be there. Because even though he hasn't signed a UFC contract yet, the um, timeline, I guess, for him to fight, I think is somewhere towards the end of December, beginning of January. So that means like a month or two before his first MMA fight in a while, he'd be Mm -hmm. traveling around the world just to wrestle a match. (laughs) Yeah, but like, it seems like they're pulling quite a lot of strings for this one, right? It's like Saudi Arabia... They're giving him a lot of money. Oh, so yeah. They can bring in Brock Lesnar. Think... It looks like they're probably going to be bringing back uh, Shawn Michaels for that. I'm yeah, did you see the rumor it's supposed to be a tag team match? That totally makes sense, dude. He's like, this. the Sheik is all sorts of into Attitude Era shit, from what I hear. Mm-hmm. So, it looks like they're booking DX versus the Brothers of Destruction to me. Ah, DX. I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah, they want to see the DX act, probably. You know what's going to be funny as shit? Dude. I am going to lose my fucking mind if they come out and do crotch chops and the people in Saudi Arabia do crotch chops with DX. <laughs> That'd be um, amazing. At my <laughs> friend's wedding last Sunday, uh, our friend Steve and then uh, our friend Corey came out to the DX music because they were two of the groomsmen and they brought out green glow sticks and threw them out to the crowd. <laughs> oh my god, do you think they'd be able to say suck it? 
I don't <sighs> think they would. I don't think they would either. I like that's definitely way too gay, right? Well, they'd be just saying it to a whole bunch of guys. Because there would be no women at that show. I'm trying. Oh yeah, like are women not even allowed in the audience? In the audience, they're allowed as long as they have like permission from their man, basically, mm. or or they're escorted by a man chaperone, something like that. So, uh oh, that might not be okay. Maybe yeah. that's why. Maybe that's so why. Because I just I just saw them listed as just like Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what they're just gonna go as. Like it's. Just Triple H, Shawn Michaels. It's not DX. We're not telling anyone to suck it. <laughs> yeah, there's there's probably a couple of those things that are a little too dicey mm-hmm. for them. It's like, oh, we like them together, but we don't want them to do the suck it or the... <laughs> the suck it? We do not want them to do the suck it? We are not down with that. <laughs> so we will not have the two words of suck or it. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Crown Jewel. Yeah, I think they're. I guess that was the idea: is that they had to have some sort of non-finish. But it seemed like to me, you know, I could be wrong, but I feel like there's like a built-in fucking story for it. You could have had Roman just like we'd booked before, where Lesnar lets Roman win here, and then Braun Strowman could get like a super automatic, re- like match to be in the main event here by drawing upon the fact that he won the greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Mm. Arabia the first time and that never amounted to anything so maybe he could say like well you know I won that Royal Rumble so I want another championship match and I want it in Saudi Arabia at Crown Jewel he needs to uh, learn from Bobby Fish about carrying around your trophies yeah totally or you know fuck it yeah like maybe he like turns in the uh, the greatest Royal Rumble uh, championship match like a like, like the gift of the gods or something Oh, yeah, wait, he got a belt, didn't he? He did, he got a big old green belt. Yeah. Which is just like the Money in the Bank briefcase. You know what? Oh, you know what? Actually, this is how they could have even fucking incorporated it. What if Baron Corbin, because he, you know, had the briefcase and stuff, and this was a schmoz finish, what if he presents the briefcase back to Braun, and then Braun's like, oh, you know, like, well, I, I fucking I thought I used this. And he's like, check inside of it. Instead of the briefcase having the contract in it, it has he the belt. it with the belt. And then he cashes in the belt, drawing upon that past. Like, why did they do that? Oh, and then have Baron wear the belt around like he was the actual <laughs> champion. Yep. Oh, my gosh. They could do something like that. That would have been a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, looks like we'll get that triple threat. And I assume uh, Reigns is probably just going to retain through this. Probably. Kind of keep going. Because um, other... I don't... I don't see Lesnar. Yeah, I don't see Lesnar winning. No, and he's, he's going I don't see. UFC. I don't think Strowman wins in a triple threat. So yeah. Yeah. Although you know, who knows? Maybe Saudi Arabia is going to be like the secret, like good luck place for Braun Strowman, and maybe he wins again. Yeah. <laughs> I am undefeated in Saudi Arabia. I am undefeated in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yep, that'd be great. Uh, the other thing I thought was pretty good this week, actually, a little surprised, actually, how good this was. Um, I loved the segment of Leo Rush confronting Elias. And then Elias, like, turning it around on him and just be like, yes. hey, whose kid is this? Oh, my God, that was so funny. They were they were going so back and forth, and it was hilarious. 
Yeah, it was good. Like, it, it, good on both parts. I feel like it's it's definitely shown how much farther Elias has come. Instead of just being the guy who just does the one thing of like, oh, you come out, you insult the hometown crowd, you play a song. Like, you know, he's got a little bit more of that chops of like being able to like riff with people mm-hmm. and insult them back and forth. So I thought that was good. And Leo Rush has shown himself pretty well, I think, for how new he is to the main roster. Yeah. Uh, Leo, and what, I are, what are you thinking the, of this uh, team up here with Bobby Lashley and uh, Leo Rush? I like it that he's not just going to be a manager, like a talking mm-hmm. manager. The The action with uh, Elias and Kevin Owens was great. Definitely. You know what? It it feels to me kind of like a superhero and a sidekick. Mm-hmm. What do you think? It Kind of that way, yeah. Like, you know, like maybe, maybe they're not totally morally good. Maybe they're a little morally gray. But, you know, kind of that similar feel, right? Oh, well, villains still had their sidekicks, right? So. True. Yeah, a villain and their henchmen. Mm-hmm. Or maybe henchmen's not quite right. But, like, yeah, they're, they're second in command. They're sidekick. Whatever. They're number two. As it were. But, yeah, I like it. There's a... I think there's, like, a certain cockiness about both of them. Like, I think that Leo Rush helps bring it back out of Bobby Lashley. Yeah. Like, I think Bobby Lashley was a little bit too concerned about being likable and being a good guy. And then Leo Rush being just sort of like a cocky little dickhead lets Bobby Lashley be a little bit more comfortable in his own skin of just being like a very confident, strong dude. I don't know. Yeah. There's something. I think there's something there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, where what do you think is kind of the trajectory with this? Like, do you think that they should go more so into like the tag team ranks or do you think this is more so like just Bobby Lashley singles? Actually, you know, maybe even like a pair of singles, like Bobby Lashley's going for a singles title and then he is also in turn almost like semi-managing Leo Rush and uh, push him to get the Cruiserweight title. I mean, it's possible. Because I think that could be really interesting too, right? Cause I, like a two-way I, help out thing. Exactly. Like, I wish that they did this more within tag teams and within more um, like friendships and alliances within WWE that they were trying to help each other in singles success. Mm-hmm. like especially with like new day for example right now like they've got the tag team championships but like why isn't uh biggie trying to become the united states champion or something yeah i'm not like, sure why not because like with, with the shield like they've got the universal title and the intercontinental championship and they were just trying to also get the tag titles so like clearly it's okay for people to be multi-champions and for people to have both tag team and singles ambitions so I feel like they should just do some more mixing and matching like that. Mm-hmm. It'd be really smart. Especially because WWE is always so like enamored with breakup storylines. And I feel like that would be able to lead you to a lot of good breakup storylines, right? Oh, like, definitely. Like if the singles title is getting in the mix between a tag team. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think if there was anything else really big. From this week, I want to ask you about. Um, um, I'm trying to think of. Ooh, over on um 205 Live, I thought that was this is a pretty good week this week. Um, TJP uh, had a good match there or match with Lindsay Dorado. Yeah, uh, Cedric Alexander and Drew Gulak. Yeah, there's it, this is actually a really interesting, really long term feud, and it, the every single time that Gulak doesn't beat Cedric, I don't know, like it it. It's weirdly, at this point now, it's kind of adding something to it for me. 
because I feel like there's just this great kind of internal consistency of like Drew, like Cedric Alexander is just the one guy that Drew Gulak cannot beat. Mm-hmm. And I, I would hope that if, if they're going to really pick up on this and continue developing it, I hope this kind of drives him crazy a little bit. And then he's willing to get a little more desperate and maybe start trying to cheat against him. Like more than he has already. Mm-hmm. Like not just the like, oh, I'm going to have my guys at ringside and maybe they trip you a little bit, but like, I don't know, maybe like attack him backstage and do some really nasty stuff. But I mean, that's what I would like to see. But I, my more so my feel is that they're probably just like, eh, we're kind of done with Drew Gulak. We're going to move on. my thought and uh, tell me tell me if uh tell me if you think differently but i feel like their next challenger they might want to kind of go with for cedric alexander actually might be leo rush outside of buddy murphy obviously because he's got that show in australia yeah i think you think they might have him win there i think they might because i'm just i'm trying to think like with the 205 lost 205 live roster right now um i guess they could try to build back up to like a match with mustafa ali maybe because mm-hmm. um, Mustafa Ali hasn't properly challenged Cedric for the title, right? Like he, uh, he was there in the finals for the tournament and lost, but like he hasn't challenged him since. I think, right? I don't think so. So, like, I I guess they could go to him because like they, he's already defended against Tommy. He's beaten. Um, let's see. Like, I think he's beaten Kendrick. He's beaten Gulak now. He's beaten. Um, who the fuck else did he beat? I feel like he's done a couple. Of, oh yeah, he's also beaten like TJP, but I'm trying to remember whether that was actually a title match or not. Uh huh. But yeah, I feel like he's beaten a lot of the guys on that roster. So I'm trying to think how many more he can go through before like they'd all of a sudden have to like dip to the bottom and raise somebody up out of nowhere to beat him, or if they would have to like you know what actually be. I'm trying to remember. Um. With Neville's update and contract, is Neville officially completely out of WWE? Yes. Okay, so there's no real possibility of him coming in. Um, so I don't know. I guess maybe somebody from NXT, unless it's going to be probably a rush. Because that's the other thing. I guess is like the, I guess there is a storyline there of like Leo Rush being the young upstart, and I think he could get almost like a fluke win over Cedric, like catch him with his pants down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like maybe Cedric's been getting kind of confident, like he's beaten over like all the other cruiserweights, and he's not taking Leo Rush seriously. Especially because like Leo Rush is so young and kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, so, I could I could see something like that happening. Possibly. And actually, it's like it might be the best way to go, to be honest. Because otherwise, you have to build up a, a, a completely legitimate contender. And I guess, like like I said, the other way that maybe you could do it is like Mustafa Ali. Um, or you could build back up to Tommy, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little rush eventually. At least for a little bit. I think that's just what's going to happen is he's going to steal the title away. Just because he's the hottest one right now. Yeah, he's coming in. He's, he's like also on the main roster right now. Um, actually, you know what? I just thought of this. The other one they could do, obviously... Uh, the other cruiserweight turn manager, you could have Drake Maverick decide, fuck this shit, I'm going to be a wrestler now too. And mm-hmm. bring in the Authors of Pain. 
and then just like dominate 205 live with his big old dudes and take the cruiserweight title i'd be down for that that would be cool um but yeah anyway beyond speculation uh something else in reality over at nxt fantastic match this week did you see the champion versus champion oh yeah that was amazing that was a pay-per-view match yeah holy shit and then i love the fact that uh adam cole and everyone interfered yeah that was definitely the the way to do it because both of these guys could not lose their titles yeah, uh, but I love that they're both fucking so ballsy enough that they actually had both of the titles on the line. Like that was amazing booking. Oh yeah, and then leads to what appears to be the War Games match. I would say is yeah. undisputed versus Pete Dunne teaming up with Ricochet and the War Raiders. Yep, because now now you can also say from Pete Dunne's perspective too, he can be really pissed off at the undisputed era because in his mind. They just cost him the North American Championship. Yes. So it's like, you cost me some gold. I'm done with you guys. And then, of course, Mustache Mountain can come in. And then, yeah, we and can get it. A... He, he had a great argument, too. He's like, I'm this long-tenured British champion. I want to expand my horizons for the North American title. So, And, I mean, fuck. It's also true that he is the longest reigning champion in WWE right now. That's crazy. So... You know, he's he's got some clout to stand on, I would say. But yeah, that was an excellent match, just seeing those guys go back and forth. And the really excellent fucking usage of styles to combat each other, too. Like, I love that Pete Dunne, like, even though he's getting cheered very consistently, and I argue that he's definitely a tweener, mm-hmm. as, but, like, he never doesn't wrestle like a heel. Like, he constantly just does heel shit in matches. Yeah, I love it. Like, I love that he doesn't give in to doing stupid babyface shit just because he's getting cheered. But I think that's also just like an evolution and understanding of psychology, right? Like, he understands he's getting cheered because he's a good heel. Yeah. Like, and that if he did stupid babyface shit, then he probably wouldn't get cheered anyway. Um, but anyway, so last. Last thing I want to talk to you about this week was Lucha Underground, because there was some crazy shit this week. Did you see it? Uh, I saw the main event. Okay. So, uh, I need to explain a little bit of the stuff from beforehand, because it'll make the main event make a little bit more sense. Uh, So we started with Dark Phoenix having a match here with Aerostar. And he fucked them up. Like, he's just, you know, continuing to be really savage and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then after the match, uh, he was going to like attack melissa santos and uh el dragon azteca comes out to save her and then phoenix fucks him up and we know that dragon azteca is going to be defending the uh gift of the gods title so immediately after he's been fucked up by phoenix he has to defend the title against marty the moth martinez <laughs> who uh taking advantage of his vulnerable state uh defeats him and becomes the gift of the gods champion then we have uh, another little segment. There was just a little quick in segment of uh, Paul London talking to the White Rabbit, who actually we have now seen. It's actually another dude. Oh, okay. Uh, and so him and L Bunny, I think is what he called him. He, was, he had like another little midget guy in a cage, who I think is probably just uh, Masquerita Sagrada under another mask. 
they are going to be coming to the temple soon. So I assume maybe next week they'll show up. Uh, so the rabbit tribe's coming back. But anyway, back in the temple, Pentagon has his triple threat match retaining over Mil Muertes and King Cuerno in a pretty pretty crazy but pretty quick match. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for like how big it was. Um, and then afterwards, Antonio Cueto reveals that he's decided to permanently change the rules, I guess at least for now, for the Gift of the Gods Championship. And instead of having a week in advance before you cash in, you can just do it whenever you want, like Money of the Bank. And so Marty the, Math, Marty the Moth cashes in. And then some crazy bitch attacks Pentagon, and I'm not sure who this is. Interesting. Um, but her attacking Pentagon gives enough of advantage after he's already been beat up by two dudes, uh, for then Marty DeMoth to finally uh, put down Pentagon and pin him and become the new Lucha Underground champion. Yeah. Crazy. I may end up being wrong. I also hope this title reign is really, really short. But... And maybe this is just because Marty the Moth is such a good heel. I don't know. I just have this kind of visceral feel that, like, this is like a slight dip for the title. This is like a slight devaluing. It It is, because I've never seen Marty the Moth as a legitimate contender. Yeah. Like, He's always been that crazy, weird character. Yeah, like I always felt like he was much better suited to be, like, a side character. And honestly, I was totally fine with him winning the <laughs> Gift of the Gods championship earlier in the night. Like, I thought that was the fine level for him to be at. Yeah, Eventually. hold that for a little bit, cash it in later, mm-hmm. maybe not successfully. Exactly. Cash it in, fail, or lose it back to somebody else. Either way, would have been fine with me. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, too, because like if, if I felt like if they needed just like a new heel champion to take the title, I felt like King Cuerno would have been a lot better choice as far as like a character who's much more deserving and has not been the champion yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and King Cuerno was even in that match. So, I don't know why they didn't just go with him. Um, especially, you know what, actually? That would have been way more genius, too. Especially to capitalize more on King Cuerno's character. He should have done a little bit more of the traditional heel thing and kind of, like, dodging out of the way and let Pentagon and Meal fuck each other up for a while. Because he's the hunter. So, he could have kind of, like, hung out, stood back for a little while, watched what's going on, and then eventually pick his prey and come in for the kill. Like... I think that would have been a little bit better. And I don't I don't usually criticize Lucha Underground. Um, yeah, oh my god. But, like, hey, just because usually they do really well. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I still may end up saying that this was still good later on, but at this point, I don't know. It feels like this was a less optimal choice. Because I just don't feel like Marty the Moth was there yet. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't even know if he was the the kind of character that ever, that would ever really be Lucha Underground champion material. I don't think so. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. But at the very least, I, I definitely do, I feel like, have faith that this will probably be a short title reign. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think, like, week or two? Yeah, my... I'm having, I'm trying to have enough faith because like Lucha Underground is a pretty damn good show and they've done a lot of good smart stuff so far. So I'm thinking that maybe part of this too, especially with how fast this was of like him getting the Gift of Gods, then the championship. Like, I think they had maybe like a weird booking hole and they needed a transitional champion. And so you know, what? especially if this is the idea, if he's a tr- completely transitional champion, 
mm-hmm. then maybe it is better that it's somebody like Marty the Moth. Because if it, if like King Cuerno ended up just being stuck as like a transitional champion, that kind of would have sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because like you know what? Maybe their idea is they want to put it back on like uh, Matanza. Like have him sacrifice whoever the champion is and kill them. And then you could like kill somebody like Marty the Moth. Yeah, possibly. Because I'm trying to think too. Because like, as far as like the other motivation for why Antonio Cueto could have um, like changed the rules, because Antonio Cueto was the one that changed the rules for why he could cash in Gift of the Gods immediately. Because I think he wants the title off of Pentagon because Pentagon did beat Matanza. He's one of the, like the only oh, dudes right, who's yeah. actually beaten Matanza ever. Actually, he might be the only guy who's beaten Matanza in a one-on-one match. Um, so if his idea is like, well, I want to put the title back on Matanza, I got to get off Pentagon. So I'm going to stack the deck here with Marty or whoever the fuck just to try and get the title off of him. And then now that it's off of Pentagon, hey, guess what? Now that you're the new champion, you've got to defend it against Matanza. <laughs> and then boom, Matanza's the champion again build back up to a rematch of uh, the Ultima Lucha 2. Actually, it wasn't the main event, because uh, technically Puma and uh, Rey Mysterio main evented. But oh, yeah. Back at Lucha, Ultima Lucha 2, they had the match between uh, Matanza and Pentagon, and he lost then. Mm-hmm. And then he's beaten him once now, so he could have the third rubber match. But this time, Matanza's the champion. I'm down for that. We'll definitely down do. for that i have faith in lucha underground um you know i think maybe next time i'll off to catch you up a little bit more on uh new japan this has kind of been like the the next tour that's been going on for a little bit oh yeah following the g1 mm-hmm. the the biggest thing i guess just to kind of catch you up a little bit on some of the things in general i feel like they're still potentially building to um like a bushi versus tanahashi I think mm-hmm. could be the main event for Wrestle Kingdom. Interesting. Because, like, so Tanahashi's been doing a lot of sort of, like, talking at a lot of the different, like, new generation guys that are all in these groups. Because, like, Tanahashi is really not associated with any of these factions. And he kind of says that, like, a lot of those dudes are, like, overly reliant on factions and things like that. So he's mm-hmm. kind of doing a lot of, like, stirring the pot with some dudes out there. Because, like, there's also, like, some turmoil with, like, Okada and Chaos with Jay White. Um, but then Omega and Ibushi, there's also this little dynamic of like, basically Omega saying that he, I guess he thinks that he's finally ready to beat Ibushi and he's like, he thinks he can do it now. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of stepping up a little bit more as far as the, the intensity. Cause that is, I think definitely one of the scheduled matches before uh, the Wrestle Kingdom match is going to be Ibushi challenging Omega. So, I could definitely see Ibushi winning the title there. Interesting. Because there's also like um, playing into one of the perennial sort of stories that seems to be between um, Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi. There's this long-standing um, sort of idea of like Hiroshi Tanahashi is always kind of telling Kota Ibushi that like you aren't living up to your potential. Mm-hmm. Like you can be better than this. You can like he's always pushing him. And wouldn't that be just, like, the ultimate place to do it is in, like, the main event of the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom 
is like, all right, let's see it. Have you finally achieved your potential or not? Kind of thing. That would Especially be interesting. Because they had a match at Power Struggle last year, which is the last event right before Wrestle Kingdom. And Hiroshi Tanahashi beat Kota Ibushi then. Yeah. So maybe it's like, you know, a whole year later. Well, and also at the G1, he beat him in the G1. So there's there's a long history of Tanahashi beating Kota Ibushi. And Kota Ibushi feeling like he needs to prove himself and beat the ace. Because then, man, if he beats... Uh, I feel like that'd be, there'd be so many possibilities for doing that. Because if he did that, then there'd be so many stories to open line with, like, Okada. Because, like, Okada was the last dude to really, like, have the giant feud with Tanahashi and beat him and establish himself as the new ace. So it's like, all right, well, who's the real new ace? Okada or Ibushi? And then you'd still have Omega in the mix, hopefully. Like, <sighs> Joe. New Japan is amazing. It is. It's so good. Anyway, I think that'll probably do it for us this week, yeah? Yep. I think my drugs are starting to wear off. Ooh, wait. One last thing. Swear this will be really quick. Um, in the little match, I can't remember who the fuck he beat. Chad Gable beat somebody in a match, and afterwards they played uh, Bobby Roode's glorious music. Mm-hmm. Man. What, like, that visual was great. Like, just Chad Gable with the glorious music. I feel like that would be the ultimate common like culmination of Bobby Roode's character is just give Chad Gable the music and retire. Like give him the robe, give him the music, and then go away. I I think the idea is that they be are a team with the music. Totally, but eventually when they're done with the team, <laughs> then Chad Gable can take the glorious music and the glorious gimmick because the glorious yeah. Chad Gable, oh my gosh, sells itself. <laughs> Ready, willing, and glorious. Or ready, glorious, and gable. There you go. Alright. Glorious, willing, and gable. I don't know. I'll work think on that on for Chad. Now. We'll, we'll think on that one. <laughs> Until next week. Alright. So that's going to be us for this week. Uh, hopefully I feel a little bit better next week. And yeah. We will talk to you guys then. Yep. Peace out, everybody.